everybody, and welcome to the Score Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Boone, the lead fantasy analyst at The Score. Thank you for joining us again. My co-host is here, David P. Woods. He's sitting right across from me. And David is a man who claims that he can beat anyone in our office in a 40-yard dash. We've even discussed briefly shutting down the very busy street out front of our office just to make this happen. Woods, are you still standing by that claim? I mean, I don't think it's that bold of a claim. Part of it is couched in the fact that just I'm one of the only people in the office I know who sprints. I mean, I, I'm a 35-year-old man. I'm not super fast, but, you know, I play in a fairly competitive touch football league. I run full speed sometimes. Can you say, you, do you ever run full speed? 100% I run full speed. When I, are you running full speed? I will not concede to you that you can even beat me, let alone everyone in this office. Let's pause the recording and go run right now, and I'll dust you. <laughs> I'm way faster than you. I'm the fastest guy in the office. All right. We, we are going to have to test this out one day. I think it's gotten to that point. Today, we're going to be looking at the tight end landscape uh, the same way we've looked at quarterbacks, running backs, and wide receivers in recent episodes. So we're going to be giving you our breakout candidates, who we think is going to bust this year, some sleepers, a few risky picks, potential bounce back players, and as always, the tight ends who we think are going to lead you to a fantasy title this year. And then we're going to finish it off with a few bold predictions. And if you like what you're hearing, make sure you're subscribing to the podcast And you can rate and review us as well. We would love to hear what uh, you have to say. Once you've done that, jump over to the Score app. Check out our fantasy football content, including our very up-to-date and very free draft kit. It is essential for you to win your league this year. You have to be going through that. You can have it in the palm of your hand during your draft. There is no excuse to not check that out. All right, let's get into tight ends here, Woods. And let's start off, as we always do, with the guys who we think are going to break out. Who do you got as a breakout candidate this year? Okay, I'm going to start with what is a bit of a pop quiz. It's not a trick question, but I think it's a question that our listeners might not all know the answer to. I know you know the answer to this, Boone. But do you know who finished first and second in yardage among rookie tight ends last season? The first answer is pretty easy. It's Evan Ingram, who soaked up targets on a Giants offense that really had no one else to throw to. The second is less obvious. You might think it's O.J. Howard, David Njoku. They were both first-round picks in the NFL, but it isn't. It's George Kittle, who caught 43 passes for 515 yards and two touchdowns completely under the radar for the San Francisco 49ers. He also did it while battling injuries for most of the season, and he did it while catching passes from Brian Hoyer and C.J. Beathard, before Jimmy Garoppolo showed up at the end of the year. So that's pretty impressive to me. And I think Kittle's a real breakout candidate this year, catching passes from Garoppolo for the entire season on a team that has a fairly weak group of wideouts. I think there's a lot of targets to go around there. Kittle, I mean, you look at him, he's 6'4", 250. He's really the ideal body type for a pass-catching tight end. He had his first 100-yard game in Week 17 last season, and I think he's going to do that a few more times this year. A breakout is coming for him. Over those last three games... 194 yards and a score. He was really coming on at the end of the year. It's not great to see that he has the shoulder injury that's going to keep him out of the preseason. That definitely hurts, but he's not a rookie this year. He knows the offense, so it's not going to hurt him as much, in my opinion. Uh, I do like Kittle. He is second on my list of breakouts if I was ranking them. First at the tight end position for breakouts this year for me is Trey Burton. He is a guy who I got in our main league woods. We debated along the way, but I ended up getting Trey Burton. And fantasy owners are familiar with him from his time with the Eagles. He really popped when Zach Ertz went down. He stepped up. We saw what he could do. Now he's been handpicked to go over to Chicago. 
And new head coach, uh, former Chiefs offensive coordinator Matt Nagy. We've talked about him a bunch during these preview series. I think it's because everyone's very excited about the Chicago offense now. And Nagy has said that he views Burton as a guy who could step into a Travis Kelsey-like role in that offense. Warren Sharp uh, is a great analyst out there. He puts out his uh, Sharp football preview every year. And he's discussed in that how Mitch Trubisky is much better throwing over the middle of the field, not necessarily throwing to the outside. And that is where Burton is going to make his money. He's six foot three, 235 pounds, and he has the speed and athleticism to replicate a lot of what Kelsey can do. I think he's going to see enough volume here to break into the top 10 for fantasy tight ends. And a lot of people are talking about Adam Shaheen. I'm not concerned with Shaheen. I think that they both are going to be able to play. And Shaheen is actually going to play the the role that Burton played last year in Philly as sort of the complimentary tight end. And I think that Burton's going to be the one that's going to get the touchdowns and is going to have a big season. Well, I like that pick. You know I like Mitchell Trubisky and certainly like what we've seen from Burton so far. And it will be very interesting to see him in a bigger role. As always, with the good comes the bad. We're going to look at bus candidates here. I will go first. Jordan Reed is a guy that I do not want to pick on here at all, but he's a guy that I think is just someone you should not be touching. I know that he's going much later in drafts this year. I get that aspect of it, and I know the upside he has. He's a guy, average points per game. He is one of the lone people out there that can rival a guy like Gronkowski, but all the injuries have taken their toll here. I mean, He's never played a full 16-game schedule, so it was not surprising to see him miss time again last year, and it will not be surprising to see him miss time again this year. When healthy, one of the best that can do it, but the injuries are taking their toll on him. Unless you're a masochist, I don't understand why you would want to roll the dice. He's going to be a guy that you're not going to be sure whether you can put him in your lineup a lot of weeks, and I want to avoid that headache. Yeah, I don't want to have to carry a second tight end at any point in the season generally, and that means not drafting a guy who you can't rely on to stay on the field. And he's already dealing with injuries. He had toe surgery in the offseason, and we don't know what his status is going forward here into the season. You're, you're best to just stay away, and I think if you do grab him, you're only going to regret it because I think he's going to miss a lot of time again this year. Who do you got for a bust? All right, this was maybe the easiest bust selection out of any of the podcasts in this series because this is a player I'm definitely not drafting. I don't understand why anyone is drafting. You know what you don't want in your fantasy tight end? A recent history of debilitating foot injuries and a flirtation with retiring. That's Greg Olson of the Panthers. He's 33 now. I mean, that's not ancient for a tight end. We've seen some guys do it for longer than that, but he's definitely not a young guy and he's like really beat up at this point. I mean, he's potentially one injury away from hanging up his cleats and going to pursue a career in broadcasting, which he's already sort of dipped his toes in those waters. He played seven games last year and produced just 191 total yards and one touchdown. That's not great. And even weirder is that 116 of those yards came in one game. So every single other game he had, he was under 30 yards. Yikes. You have to go back to week nine of 2016 to find the second last time he scored a touchdown. He played all 16 games that season, so he stayed healthy, but he caught only three touchdowns. So the last time we saw Olsen when he was healthy, he still wasn't a great contributor. Why are people drafting this guy in the sixth round as tight end five after Gronk, Kelsey, Ertz, and Graham? That that does not make sense to me. There are so many exciting young tight ends around and available in the later rounds. We've already talked about a few of them. There's no reason to take a guy with as big a bust as Greg Olsen where he's going in drafts. 
I think with with Olsen, what it is, is I think people just, they've seen the consistency for so long, and they're not actually thinking about this year. They're not actually thinking about the, the foot injury and the situation that he finds himself in now with all these other pass catchers there. I think he, it's possible that he could still have a half-decent season this year. When you're looking a little further down our list here of all the categories we've talked about in these preview podcasts, you know, bounce-back candidates at tight end, there's just not many out there. I mean, Olsen would be one of the few guys that I could think of who has a chance to bounce back, but I, I'm not super confident that he's going to be able to. Yeah, I looked for bounce back guys. I didn't find anyone I was confident in. I mean, maybe this is the year Jordan Reed stays healthy, but you've already talked about him. That seems pretty unlikely. All right, let's let's see if we can find a couple sleepers here at tight end woods. You want to go first? Sure. A uh, sleeper I'm kind of interested in is Ricky Seals-Jones, who's available basically in the last round of drafts. I mean, he's essentially free. So he had a pretty quiet season last year, but a mild breakout in the middle of it. He caught 12 passes for 201 yards and three touchdowns in five weeks, basically in November and December. He's only 23 years old, and maybe he's a bit of a late bloomer at tight end because he's a converted wide receiver. I mean, the main thing you like about him is that the Cardinals just didn't really address tight end this offseason, and they're not loaded with receiving weapons. So maybe there's something there in him. Seals Jones was also my guy for this category, and I, I think it's pretty obvious. I think when you look at that team, he's six foot five, 243 pounds, the converted receiver thing. That's always huge for tight ends. We've seen other guys step up in that similar situation. Outside of Larry Fitzgerald, David Johnson, who is the one that is going to catch passes there? And veteran Jermaine Gresham seemed to be holding back Seals Jones, and he suffered a torn Achilles in Week 17, so we're not going to see him for a little bit here. I think Ricky Seals Jones is definitely a great sleeper. I think there's probably a few guys you could mention. Hayden Hurst is in a pretty good situation. I don't know if you can call him a sleeper based on the fact that he's a first-round pick, but he's going to a team that loves throwing to the tight end. He's looked pretty good in the preseason here. And another guy that's going late, he's going outside of the top 20 tight ends in drafts. So another player there that maybe you could take a look at. I'll give you one really deep sleeper I'm interested in here too. Jonu Smith of the Titans. I mean, it's just based around the idea that Delaney Walker's 34. He's hurt now in camp. I mean, I think he's probably going to be back for the regular season. But he's got a lot of wear and tear on him. Titans just gave him a two-year extension, so that's a little bit of a knock against Smith. It means the Titans think that Walker's going to keep producing for a few more years here. But you never know. Tight end's a really rough position. Maybe Walker misses some time, and Smith is an interesting talent. The Titans took him in the third round last year in part because, I mean, he's basically a Delaney Walker clone, and I think it would be a pretty easy succession plan if Delaney were to miss significant time. What is it about the Titans that they have these guys that are just sitting there waiting for their opportunity to have a breakout season, looking at Derrick Henry in the backfield, looking at John o. Smith. We keep thinking that next year is going to be the year, and yet next year never comes for these guys. Well, I mean, Mike Malarkey was the head coach for a while, so maybe everything's fixed now and the breakouts all happen at once. <laughs> let's hope, let's hope. Uh, for Deep Sleeper, for me, I'm looking at Michael Roberts, and they signed a bunch of tight ends to one-year deals. Luke Wilson, Levine Toilolo, don't exactly instill confidence in me. They have a Eric Ebron sized hole in that offense. And for all his flaws, Ebron was a top 12 fantasy tight end in each of the last three seasons. He averaged 54 receptions, 609 yards and three touchdowns a year in a move that probably foreshadowed Ebron's departure. Detroit used a fourth round pick to get Michael Roberts and he's another pass catching tight end. He's a sophomore this year. Might need a little more seasoning before he's ready to break out, but fantasy owners need to pay close attention to him because in that offense, 
We've seen what Ebron can do. We know how they throw the ball around. Stafford is an extremely reliable quarterback. Michael Roberts could be the guy that steps up there eventually at tight end. Okay, now there's some guys that are just dangerous picks. There's guys that they carry so much risk with them, they could make or break your season. And at tight end, I think too many people fall in love with O.J. Howard. And here's what I'm worried about with Howard. People love the shiny new toy. And there was a bunch of young tight ends that had immense potential last season. And Howard had some big games last year. He, he eclipsed a 50-yard mark three times over his final five games. And he scored three touchdowns during that stretch. So I totally understand why people would be very, very excited about him. But some of those TDs were scored on freak plays. They were Defenses were leaving him wide open. Maybe you want to say that was the scheme that was getting him open. But if you watch those plays, it just seemed like breakdowns in the defense and Jameis was finding him. And we know touchdown numbers can be very fickle, very difficult to replicate year over year. And the Buccaneers didn't add anyone new to the mix, but they simply brought back their their starter, Cameron Brait. And Cameron Brait is, we're talking earlier about how Delaney Walker's holding back a guy like Jonu Smith. Cameron Braid is going to continue to hold back O.J. Howard's fantasy potential. You know, they also have a, a, a big-bodied receiver in Chris Godwin who's coming into his own, and he's a touchdown threat. I'm really worried where Howard fits in here from a volume standpoint. He's going to be used. He's going to have games. I think he's the more intriguing fantasy player uh, over Brait, but his ceiling is going to depend on how much Brait remains involved. And I think with Mike Evans, with Godwin, with Brait, they're going to soak up a lot of work, especially in the red zone, and that's going to prevent Howard from having a big fantasy season. I think people are just too excited about him. I think you have to worry about the quarterbacks there a little bit too. I mean, we feel pretty good about what Jameis Winston is, not a superstar, but a pretty competent quarterback. But with stuff like his suspension and sort of the weirdness and awkwardness there, that seems like a team that might just come out to a really slow start. Maybe suddenly there's the coaches on the hot seat. I'm just not so sure I trust that offense. Okay, I have a risky pick for you that I think maybe a lot of people won't think is that risky, but I'm going to make the case that it is a riskier pick than you realize, but I also think it's worth the risk. It's Jimmy Graham. He's with the Packers now. I mean, we just need to know that he's never going to be the same player he once was again. He's 31 years old. His body has been through so much. We've seen him play through some pretty painful-looking injuries. There was a time where he was catching passes from Drew Brees, ripping defenses apart. I mean, he averaged a touchdown per game one season, but we're a long way from that. Three years ago in Seattle, he played 11 games, caught two touchdowns. I think he angered a lot of owners that year who expected more from him. Then the year after that, caught six touchdowns. Still wasn't a great season from him. And then weirdly, last season, he got 10 touchdowns, and he did it in a very specific role. He was basically the Seahawks' goal line weapon. They just threw him short passes near the goal line because they didn't really have a running back to punch it in. They just threw it up to Graham. He caught it. So basically, this year, if you're drafting him, I think you're counting on him doing the exact same thing with in Green Bay. Are the Packers going to use him as their goal line weapon? Yeah, they actually might. They also don't really have confidence in their running backs, or certain, there's just not a star there at least. And Aaron Rodgers, you think he can find Jimmy Graham in the red zone? Yeah, I think he probably can. And there's no Jordy Nelson there anymore. They don't really have a big body weapon like that. Graham's a health risk. I mean, maybe he's a bit of a fit risk. It's not like we've seen every tight end go to Green Bay and rip it up. Jared Cook wasn't great. Martellus Bennett, well, that didn't go well. But I think there is going to be a connection between Aaron Rodgers and Jimmy Graham. I think they're going to throw to him in the goal line a lot. And I think he's probably worth the risk where you're taking him, which is about the fifth round. I think that's an accurate take. I, I, I would still take him. I think I would want to wait till the sixth, probably. I think there's a good chance that he ends up as a top six tight end, though. And I think the reason is just, like you said, the touchdowns. We've seen at tight end, outside of a certain point, after the top five or six, 
those touchdowns can really swing it. You know, a guy who puts up a decent amount of touchdowns can break into the top five tight ends. Graham has a good chance to do it again, but you nailed some of the things that, like looking at his, his yards per catch, that's dropped. It was his lowest point at, at any point in his career, 9.1 last year. He was well in the double digits other years, and he had his lowest yardage total since his rookie season. So the decline is there for him for sure. Now we're just going to see if he can keep being a red zone threat. And guess what? Playing with Aaron Rodgers makes things a little easier around the red zone and everywhere on the field, pretty much. It is time, Woods. It is time. It's the best part of the episode. Who is the tight end this year that is going to lead you to a fantasy title? Well, I think I probably blew it a little bit. I mean, it's just my breakout tight end. It's George Kittle. I'm really interested in where he is. I'm not that worried about the injury. I just I think he's going to benefit most from this the progression of the 49ers passing offense, Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't love any of the receivers there, and I'm just very intrigued by Kittle, and he's just so cheap in drafts. You take him, you pick another guy if you want. You could even go earlier and take a safer guy, add Kittle later, and hope that Kittle breaks out and you can trade that earlier guy, but I'm probably fine just rolling with Kittle only, and if somehow he busts, you can just stream the position. I mean, it's not that hard to do at tight end. Kittle's my guy for this one. I think you would probably agree with me that we both would have said Hunter Henry here if he didn't get hurt. Oh, man, I wish Hunter Henry was healthy. I absolutely would have picked him. I I would have had the spot reserved for Hunter Henry, definitely for Hunter Henry, if he wasn't lost to the torn ACL, as we know, in the offseason. There's a few guys that I think could definitely be the, the player here, and I think Burton and Kittle fit the bill for sure. But I want to find a consistent performer at tight end, and that can be difficult. And that's why I think strategy-wise at the tight end position, if I can't get one of the top three, then I'm looking to wait, and I'm going to wait for a Burton or a Kittle much later in the draft. But if I can get one of the top three, I'm going to take Zach Ertz where he's going. It's a little bit cheaper than Gronk and Kelsey. You're getting him a round or two later. And he's a guy that has corrected the one flaw that he really had in his game. And that's that he wasn't scoring touchdowns. And now we're seeing that they are willing to throw to him in the end zone. After topping 12 PPR fantasy points in 11 of his 14 outings last season, you know, after averaging 76 receptions and 831 yards over his last three years, he is the definition of consistency. And I know that that doesn't mean much. I know every year situations change. It's like people that sit at a roulette table and think, well, it's been black 10 times. It's got to be red this time. That's just not how it works. But I think looking at him, he's 27 years old. He's entering his prime. And he's one of the few guaranteed assets at this position. And depending on your league, you know, it's going to take probably a fourth or fifth round pick to get him. He missed a little bit of time in the training camp in the preseason. Maybe that affects his ADP a little bit as we're going here, but I think you're going to have to pay up for his services, but it's a cheaper price than you're going to have to pay for those other two elite tight ends. And he's a guy that can just lock down that position for you. You're not going to have to worry about him all year long, and you can make up that value at other deeper positions later in the draft by getting running backs and wide receivers who can have a major impact on your team. All right, outside of the bus going the other way, Woods, anybody that you are absolutely not going to want to draft this year at tight end? Uh, No one specifically, except I'll just say the strategy of, unless you're getting one of those very early guys, to me that's Gronk, Kelsey, and Ertz. I'm probably just waiting until very late in the draft and taking, you know, Kittle, Burden. I'd probably be okay with David Njoku. And as I said, if he busts, oh well, I'll stream the position. Howard, as I mentioned, I'm probably not going anywhere near 
Evan Ingram's a guy that people might be surprised to hear me say him after what a season he had last year, but I think with everyone healthy there, with Odell Beckham back, Shepard's there, uh, now you're bringing in Saquon Barkley, who's going to do a lot in the passing game. I just, last year, Ingram was the only guy, everyone was hurt, and he was just getting peppered with targets. That's not going to happen this year. He's a great player. He's a he's basically a wide receiver at the tight end position. I just don't think the volume is going to be there to have him put up as big numbers. I've dropped him back into the, the low end of the tight end ones for me. Well, you're stealing my thunder a little bit there because we usually do bold predictions at the end of these episodes, and Evan Ingram was going to be my bold prediction. He's being drafted in about the sixth round as tight end six. I don't think he's going to be a top 12 tight end this season. As you said, his numbers were vastly inflated last year by the lack of weapons available in the Giants offense. Those guys are all back. Beckham, Sterling, Saquon Barkley is there now. I think you're paying up for last year's stats if you're drafting Ingram where he's going right now, and I think it's very unlikely that he will repeat them. I'm also just not sure he's a premier talent. I can't separate how much his numbers were inflated by volume last year from the talent, so he's a guy I think I'll stay away from probably. I think he's a a premier pass catcher. I think that's what it is. If you're looking at an all-around tight end, definitely not. But he's essentially a receiver playing tight end, and that makes him a premier talent at that position for what we're talking about here for fantasy aspect. It also also probably means he's going to be asked to do different things when the receivers all return to the lineup. I mean, tight ends do have other responsibilities. I'm not sure he's going to be able to do them like blocking and those types of things, and maybe he falls out of favor with a new coaching staff. Would you agree that people think that there are probably eight quality tight ends this year, looking at guys like Burton and Kittle as sort of potential breakout candidates outside of that? Sure. The eight for me would be Gronk, Kelsey, Ertz, Walker, Olsen, Graham, Rudolph, and then Ingram. And Ingram is the guy that I no longer count. I think most people look at him as a member of that. I think most people have him ranked higher than eighth. I have him at the bottom of that list. And yes, I... Totally agree with you. I think there is a chance that he falls even farther based on his volume dropping this year. So I'll drop mine. I think that Eric Ebron leads the Colts in receiving touchdowns this season and is a top five fantasy tight end. I talked a bit about him earlier when I mentioned Michael Roberts. He was much better in Detroit than people gave him credit for. He dealt with some drops, some embarrassing drops, and I think those sort of low lights make people remember him as that. But Ebron was a pretty good fantasy tight end. He's going to go into this offense that doesn't really have a number two. Some people want to make an argument that Jack Doyle is going to soak up a lot of targets. Some people think that Ryan Grant can step up and and be really good. Andrew Luck looks like he's going to be able to come back and lift that offense again. T.Y. Hilton, 100%, is the top guy there. But who is going to be the number two, especially around the red zone? We saw a guy like Dante Moncrief there catch a lot of touchdowns from Luck. I think Ebron could come in and be a red zone weapon for them. And we mentioned earlier at the tight end position, all it takes is a decent amount of touchdowns and you could sneak into that mid-range tight end one or even higher. I think Ebron has a chance to do it this year. I think whoever is Andrew Luck's second favorite weapon in that offense is going to be a big time fantasy contributor, but I'm just not sure it's not Jack Doyle. You have no love for Jack Doyle there? He's just he's just another one of those boring picks. Maybe. Maybe he'll be fine. Maybe he'll be fine. But I think Ebron showing up, you could end up with a situation like you had with Dwayne Allen and Colby Fleener there where they were both kind of interesting players for the Colts, but they kind of held each other back at the same time by splitting a lot of the work. All right, that wraps up our preview series. If you haven't already, jump back and listen to our previous draft strategy pods going over quarterbacks, running backs, and wide receivers. 
moving forward, we are going to have great stuff for you, including bringing on some of the top analysts from around the industry to give you their thoughts on the fantasy landscape. As I mentioned earlier, if you like what you're hearing, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and give us a rating and review us. And don't forget to keep our 2018 fantasy draft kit at your fingertips during your drafts. It's just going to make your life easier. Go follow Woods on Twitter at David P. Woods. You can find me at Justin Boone. And happy drafting, everybody. Said leave on time, my baby. Said leave on time. Leave on time with me tonight. Said leave on time.